0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer.
1: I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent.
0: Dan LaMagna.
1: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland.
0: And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Of course, we're joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Great. Great to be here with my boys tonight, talking some football, you know, it was after a
0: fun day of Rylan JB up, you know, a little Jamar Chase, CD Lamb talk, but uh, <laughs> great to great to be
1: here, man. So this, I'm glad that you brought that up because we left <laughs> oh. it off the show notes, but this is a very, I feel like there's a few players we're going to discuss, but it's a very theory oriented show. So at some point, because I don't know if this is going to be that long of a show, I always say that, <laughs> but we might have time to sneak that in. So if we have a few minutes, remind me, Dan, because I would love to discuss it. You know, I, I try to keep the Discord chat clean, but I, I I had a word sneak in there today, and I was like, hopefully Dan's not too mad at me. Anyway, we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC. MC. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys?
2: I will like to report. I do not believe I missed one draft pick. And that was kind of like my goal the whole rookie draft season. Like, it's not really getting good players. It's just like, don't auto-draft. And I think I did it.
1: I I was worried about that too, just because we had so many going on. And there's still drafts trickling through pretty much throughout the offseason. But if you have the alert set up through my fantasy league, it's difficult to to entirely miss a draft pick, even though we saw it. You think? Yeah, we saw it. <laughs> All, All right, so we hopefully you have annoying
0: guys like me in the league who, are like, at you. And it's like, hey, you're on the clock, man.
1: You know, I try to help. Twitter, I don't mind Facebook, that. Facebook, Instagram. Mitch reached out to me the one time, and I got snippy. I was like, listen, I know. I told the commissioner skip my pick. I'm taking Caleb Huntley, running back from Ball State. That was picked up by the Falcons So that got taken care of And then the next day, I completely I don't know if I missed the alert But Mitch is like, I'm sure you know But you're on the (laughs) clock And it was like three hours in And I was like, that was was the one that I would have missed So I always appreciate getting nagged But we do have a lot we want to get through tonight We opened it up to Twitter We opened it up to the Discord Looking for some questions, topics That people want to discuss and not even questions just hey this is on my mind let's talk about it so we do have a few questions here this is from at aaron proudfoot three on twitter and i feel like every offseason i mean wow mitch is this our third offseason it is yep i know it's at least (gasps) the third draft season so yeah 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 we started what we kicked off super flexology April of 2019 so 19 2020 yeah this is the third one and Dan's been with us for for two and I think he's getting mm-hmm. hollered at you can that's right Dan, Dan, are you, Dan's getting lectured over there. I can see it.
0: My my son's tooth just came out. So oh, you know, that's cool. Yeah. You know, he's a little blood coming there and the wife's putting the daughter to sleep right now. So we're we're multitasking. <laughs> he's pumped. Tooth fairy's coming. I yeah. was going
1: to say, Dan, you're going to have to win a few leagues then just to cover tooth fairy class. But... <laughs> True. So this question comes up every year and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we certainly have discussed it in the past, but Aaron wants to know what our favorite league settings or rules are when we're looking to join a new league. Dan, I want to start with you. Just a few things that you look at, and especially this time of year, rookie drafts are winding down a little bit. People are looking to join more startups. So what are you looking for specifically when you're joining a league?
0: Yeah, I love this question, guys. Like It never really gets old, and I think you guys will have some more expansive thoughts just based on like the volume of leagues that you have. But at that, 15 in, I'm still... Always looking for super flex. I'm always looking for tight end premium. They're my two most personal preferences. So, you know, when I thought when I saw this question, I thought of the new player, but even the experienced players, um, you know, are, are kind of you get to a different point, you know, because dynasty teams are like potato chips and you can't just have one and, and your chain your experiences change. So, as far as settings, it's it's super flex. I love the two quarterbacks and I love the two premium, two tight end premium there, like 2.0. Because it just adds such value to those positions, it balances everything out. It adds more strategy to the drafts, so they're like the must. From there, like after settings for me, it's just you know ha- haven't been doing this for a little bit now. It's team owners and commissioners, and, and I know Mitch Mitchell really drive that home from the commissioner angle there. Uh, but the league is only as fun as the guys you're in with, the organization of the commissioner, and, and it just. It make Because Dynasty is meant to be long-term, not short-term. The stability of the league is as important as the setting. So there, that's my laundry list. I turn it over to you,
1: gentlemen. I had two leagues fold this off season after year one. So the commissioner, the camaraderie, the league mates, the, the guys and girls that are in the leagues with you, I think that is critical. Before I go through my laundry list, Mitch, what do you have here? Yeah. What settings are you looking at? I'm just going to piggyback
2: off Dan there. Like the most important thing to me is the bylaws. Like on MFL, bylaws are usually in there. And if they're not in there, then I just won't even approach joining the league because the bylaws are going to tell you if the commissioner cares or not, if it's two weeks long or sorry, if it's two sentences long, then obviously the commissioner didn't put enough time into it. And if he's not putting your time into the bylaws, he's not going to put time into the league either or she, however it works. But I know sleepers a little bit different, but there better be a Google Doc for it. Like there has to be bylaws. And then just besides the bylaw portion, because like John said, I had th- I think I had three leagues die this year, and I think I had just as many that die last year. Um, bad commissioners make and break leagues faster than owners do. It's just how it is because a good commissioner could always find someone in to take over a bad team. And then the last thing is and this is just because I'm in a little bit more leagues now, so I kind of know what I like. There has to be more than 140 starting players weekly. So the way I look at it, 14-team league, there needs to be 10 starters. If it's a 10-team league, I want 14 starters. And the more on that, the better off it is. It's a If it's a 14-team league, you have to start 12. I love that because I love having to start depth. It makes the studs versus duds approach really, really hard to pull off. And I think it makes trading waivers and even drafting just that
1: much more important. I can appreciate all of that. And it's funny because a lot of the things that we're talking about here in Dan and Mitch, you've touched on it. It's not so much the league settings itself. It's the build of the league and behind the scenes and really centered around the commissioner aspect, which I think is important because we all have been guilty of it oh there's a league starting up i'm gonna join it you know it's super flex it's tight end premium i'm in but then everything else goes to crap hey i did i see the bylaws i can't remember if i saw the bylaws the the draft is over oh no there really aren't bylaws yeah so it kind of gets sticky there the only thing in terms of League settings, in addition to super flex and tight end premium, it is the minimum starting requirements. And I bring this up. This is the third time I've brought this up now. I don't want a league that is start quarterback, start one running back, start one wide receiver, one tight end, and all flex. I understand that gives you the ability to build your roster the way you want. And it gives you that increased flexibility, which is great. But it also kills activity from what I've seen. I think I'm in three leagues like that trading for the most part, at least in my eyes, it's at, a, it's, it's pretty minimal and I'm not out there trying to make trades. How many leagues are you guys in with me where it's start three receivers, start two running backs. And I'm in the chat already. Hey, you know, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Uh, anybody looking for this position because you have those needs in those start one leagues. I I'm just not as active personally. I know Mitch, I, think i converted you onto that side you did I actually joined a league recently that is set up that
2: way just because it's it's a really cool league setup so i really like it besides that portion of it but it's the super flex start one running back one wide right receiver one tight end and it's start 11 i believe so what is it, it I the harry potter league it is so i went out and now i
1: i now These have nerds s- over here with their harry right? potter. i
2: have six tight ends now and one wide receiver Because you just don't need... I could find a wide receiver off the waiver wire, no problem. So I'm just going to draft every tight end, and
1: then I'm just not going to trade them because there's a tight end premium to it. And the the super flex tight end premium aspect, I want anything that's going to get away from the chalky settings. You do a one quarterback PPR league. You have a fairly good idea of how the positions stack up against each other. But once you have 12 different people, 14 different people... With significantly different values, it really opens things up. Whether it's the startup, the rookie draft, in season and off season trading, and I—that's I, what I like. And I know people, especially uh, some people in the Discord, they're going to say, "Gotta start throwing IDP in there one day, one day." So, anything else, guys? Before we move on, kind of just a really high level: what we're looking for, what's important to us. Um, you know, it's going to be different for every person, so it's not saying this is what you.
0: Yeah, I think what I like, JB, is the three of us gave a variety of different things to look for. Now it's a matter of what is it that's important to you? You know, Mitch covered, you know, the bylaws and the commissioners. When I first got into this adventure, you know, I've been playing fantasy football for 30 plus years, but it's been a while since I got into Dynasty a few years back. I was researching it as if I was looking for a car. And and it it took like finding, going through chats and talking to different dynasty people. And the safest, most organized route at that time for me was Scott Fish and his safe leagues. He had a good reputation. He had bylaws that Mitch had. And then the four safe leagues I'm in, they've been great. They've been steady. You know, Scott always keeps a good product. He communicates well as a commissioner. So I love it. But then as I dive into this deeper with you guys, you know, when, when you get into the guys that like eat, breathe, and sleep dynasty, you mentioned JB, you know, being active. If you want to be in with active owners, that's where it's good to start networking a little bit and reaching out because our best leagues are the one where like all 12 teams, 14 teams are chatting all the time and making trades and, and it's a blast. So if you're too busy and you don't want that, to be that active, hey, there's safe, solid leagues out there. If you're looking for a little more activity, hop on our Patreon and you you will definitely find that.
1: Completely agree. All right, moving on here. And Dan, you're gonna have the floor here. So this came over from my guy, Luis. He he is the one on Twitter that it's like every Wednesday morning he's doing some type of workout and he tweets at us saying he's listening to Dynasty Theory on his run or doing this. And I told him, Luis, you're making us look bad, man. It's like 6 a.m. my time, and he's out there listening to the show doing some workout well, I'm getting ready to eat a pound of bacon. But anyway, Dan Luis says, he he asks, and I condensed this down because it was a fairly long question, but can you speak to how a coaching staff views competition for playing time within a roster and the positive impact it can have on players? And then if you could take it a step further, this is me saying, can you put a fantasy spin on it?
0: This this was a really fun question, and when, when when you drop this in our in our show notes here, I was like, I got to give this some good thought. And JB, you know, in our in our first question, we were talking about types of league. You talked about competition and camaraderie, and you know that that's one of the main reasons I do this. You know, having enjoyed coaching from high school, college, semi pro for almost eighteen years but then deciding, you know, hey, career wise, I don't want a career on wheels in the, in the coaching profession. You know, so other than coaching my little guy right now, fantasy football is that that football fix. So when you look to, you know, bring in competition on your team, I, I bulleted four kind of highlights here. And then I'll, I'll spin it to some fantasy thoughts. And you guys could kind of branch it out and, and we could dive deeper. But one, it brings out the best in the players. And and That, you know, kind of seems an obvious one, but not just the players who need motivation. Like we're hearing a lot of the Aaron Rodgers talk of, you know, lighting a fire under him. But I just think in life in general, we are all better with a little bit of push. You know, I'm better on this podcast because of what you guys do and and how active you are. That little bit of push just makes everybody better. So in fantasy football, I think it's identifying how much competition eats into touches. That, that's where you got to say, hey, is that push good for his fantasy value and helping the team? Or is that du- cutting into the to the touches a little bit too much? Um, depth can be good in real life, but not in fantasy. So that first piece, bringing out the best in the players, it is case by case when it comes to fantasy football. The others, My second bullet for depth is injuries. Parity in the NFL is obvious. It is so competitive. The margin for error is so, so thin. But depth, it could be the difference in winning seasons. Identifying how offensive line depth supports the run game or the pass game is very helpful. You look at deep, line, uh, deep running back groups like the Niners and the Patriots. Man, they, they get someone injured, they just rotate someone in and they don't miss a beat. So, again, that depth could be good. Or it could make you question your your fantasy decisions. When is too much depth no good? You know, we're looking at the Trey Sermons and the Raheem Mostars this year. You know, where do we value Sermon? Depth is good for backups. Look at last year's situation with Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. You know, when you have Cooper, Lamb, Gallup, Zeke, and the starting quarterback of the team goes out, it helps having a decent backup quarterback. Now, it took them a few weeks to get their O-line straight so Dalton could – be at his best, but they figured it out, and those Cowboy receivers still had value. So I think depth is important for bringing out the best in the players. It's important for the injury factor because they happen every year. It's best for the tempo at practices. You know, I think Luis is looking at, you know, hey, how does it make it better? It sounds good if we bring a guy in. It does because now I have competition at camp coming up here. We talked about OTAs coming up, Once they, they, especially when they come mandatory and everybody's practicing. The tempo at camp is so much better for the team. It improves the practice. You go back to last year, think of what a New York Jets practice would look like versus a Chiefs or Buccaneers. The competition and depth level between the Bucks wide receivers, the Chiefs running backs or receivers, competition breeds out the best in all those guys. And there's a lot of fantasy producers on those teams. And then the coach of me says it expands the playbook. More than anything, you could do more things offensively when you have depth. You know, we look at Jacobs and Drake. All right. You know, to me, it's a little bit of a fantasy hurt, but the Raiders could probably do more things on offense now with having those backs. The type of running backs that the Patriots have, the James Whites, they always have a goal line back. They have a guy that takes most of the carries. They're, they do so many more things because of that depth. Depth at the wide receiver position takes away double teams. If you don't have depth, your star receiver may not be as good that season because the teams are going to figure them out. At least the good teams will. You know, so maybe you have less of those wide receiver one games. Tight end depth, it opens up more personnel packages. You want to go double tights. You want to be able to, you know, attack the middle of the field. If you don't have the depth at tight end, you can't do that. If you don't have the block in tight end, your running game might not be as good. And then last is special teams, which doesn't necessarily apply to football. But, you know, when, you, when you're talking field position and, and having a better team overall, it all factors in. So, I could go on and on, but they were like just the cliff notes, and that's where I said in our chat, John, that this is a loaded question, you know, and and it's it's you know I don't know where exactly the listener wanted to go, but depth is a good thing. As a coach, I'm ecstatic. For us as fantasy football owners, you got to really chunk it out and keep listening to Dynasty Theory, and we'll we'll dive into that depth week by week.
1: I think that was a really good breakdown. Again, bringing the actual football aspect and he mentioned a few names again i paired it down a little bit but mitch one thing that he mentioned was well and these are some specific examples geo bernard is not in cincinnati people are seeing that as great for joe mixon Kenyon drake goes to the raiders universally it is seen as awful for josh jacobs but then you look at situations it's like the Packers drafting Jordan Love. Did that light a spark under Aaron Rodgers? Because we saw the the real-life season, but fantasy season as well, from Aaron Rodgers in 2020. What are your overall thoughts on whenever these pieces get added strictly from a fantasy standpoint? Does it depend on the players, the position? How do you look at it?
2: Oh, it's 100% the position. If it's a quarterback, I don't really care who they bring in. I mean, David Carr could be the quarterback. When they brought in Mariota, I wasn't worried. Derek? car that's what i said <laughs> car i don't even know what you're talking about john but anyways i don't even know why i talk about him i should just like talk about someone else how does
1: he come up every show <laughs> <laughs> because he's
2: i don't know that's a very very good question All right. but like i was saying when they bring in a quarterback i don't care he's not gonna take off the starting quarterback but them bringing in a running back in las vegas that actually matters That is, they're not bringing him in just to sit on the bench. He's going to be in there to get playing time because that's just kind of how that position works. Um, As far as wide receivers, wide receivers aren't really one that I worry about either, though, kind of like quarterbacks. If you have a good dominant wide receiver, I can't even tell you if the Seahawks brought in a free agent wide receiver this year. Like, I know they brought in Eskridge, but I don't care about Eskridge. Like, they have DK Metcalf, they have Lockett, That's all I care about as far as those two players. Like I'm not going to drop those two down because they brought an Escridge, Right. And so tight ends, the same thing. Like if you're a good tight end, you're probably not switching teams in the first place.
0: Yeah. If I could just add to that real quick, JB, like you mentioned Escridge, and, you know, you're not really worried about the receivers. That all makes sense. And I think it's correlating. Where does that depth help? You know, Russell Wilson's the winner there. You know, Mm -hmm. you want your quarterback to have more weapons. So, Sometimes it's not the individual position, but it's a side benefit to quarterback or another position.
1: And I, I, I will say, I, I think running back is the one big position because you, you bring in Kenny Drake. Now it wasn't only just bringing Kenyon Drake, but it was the contract, the guaranteed money, not necessarily chump change when looking at the running back position. So there's so many different ways we can look at it, but Dan, I really liked your, your input there mm-hmm. and hopefully Luis will be satisfied with that answer as well.
0: Last thought, yep. know, the coaches too. Like, like, you know, we talk all the time about offensive coordinators and how they utilize guys. Sometimes that depth's good or bad based on how the coaches utilize this. We're talking about those Raiders running backs. We know Gruden's kind of funny with the running backs. You know, he, he we think he's going to do one thing or should do one thing and he, he does the opposite. So know the coordinators as well.
1: This next one, uh, I called it running back curveballs, and it's kind of two questions brought together. And it's gonna be really the only one that we talk about specific players from here on out, I believe. I'm sure we'll sneak a few names in there. But Mitch, I want to start with you. And this is actually a question, you know. Actually, Dan, we'll start with you because this is a question Mitch brought to us. Who is the running back to roster in Arizona? James Connor, Chase Edmonds. What are your thoughts there? How does that look moving forward? Here,
0: I like how Mitch is bringing it to us. There, man, he's he's, he's bringing the heat here, and uh, you know the the show notes as well. I mean, my answer is brief here. The answer is Kyler Murray. I mean, I, I mean, there's the only running back I care to own in in Arizona, man. Give me those goal line touches. Give me that rushing ability. You know, all right. So if you don't want me to cop out, which I was, but that that really was my answer. That's my show notes, Kyler Murray. But maybe Connor. Um, just a little bit more ceiling, you know. I think he's okay, but where I have shares, I, I'm trying to trade him, hoping people, you know, are seeing a higher ceiling than I do for James Connor. Chase, you know, PPR flex play, maybe. Um, but th- th- that, that's my Arizona question. It's Chase, maybe is a you know, deep flex, Connor for a little bit of ceiling, but I'm really trying to get rid of him. To me, Kyler, Kyler Murray's the answer.
1: I thought this was interesting because. I really did not look at this backfield all too much this offseason. It wasn't one that I was actively pursuing. So when I really looked at James Conner versus Chase Edmonds here, one thing, and not this is really correlating to fantasy production or what we can expect, but James Conner, at least in 2020, you go on sharp football stats, he was fairly efficient going to the outside. You think James Conner, kind of a bigger guy, He had success going up the middle, but with that offensive line, he was probably forced to bounce it outside a lot, but had more success than I would have thought. And Chase Edmonds, I'm trying to remember this correctly, going to the left, it was like less than 30% success rate on the the left side, like all the way out by the receivers. So I thought that was interesting because you think about Chase Edmonds. Yeah, PPR, he should be able to excel. But then James Conner, he's no slouch in the passing game either. And was it the way that Pittsburgh used him? Maybe. But what we have seen from Cliff Kingsbury over the last few years, is he looking for a bell cow back? I don't know. Was it just the fact that Kenyon Drake was a little banged up last year? He wasn't as effective as we would have liked, possibly. But also, for fantasy purposes, Kenyon Drake was a running back two. Chase Edmonds was a really high-end running back three. So could the answer be, if healthy, both of these guys could return on their current price?
2: That's my issue with it. The reason why I'm asking is this kind of, I've been listening to a lot of FFPC podcasts, right? A lot of the fantasy guys, high stakes startups are starting up. And Edmonds is going a lot higher than Connor. Mm-hmm. And for me, not being in redraft mode, I'm like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. And so, and then there was also another Twitter conversation going on this past week and everyone's like no you want ed Edmonds," and i'm like but why so i went in and i dug into the stats right in 45 games played he has one game with 100 rushing yards he has two games with more than 12 attempts you compare that to james connor who's only played in right. five more games than him like it's not even the same stratosphere as far as stats go and we could say no Edmonds is going to be the ppr guy so what Connor Allison can't catch the ball now because he caught a whole bunch of balls in Pittsburgh. And so I just don't understand why there's a difference in ADP kind of like what you brought up, JB. It's if I have one, I'm gonna be really happy. Um, do I think one's gonna take over throughout the season? Maybe not. Maybe it's a 60 40 split, but I don't think there should be any difference value wise between the two. And there's I think a large value difference out there right now. So
0: Did you- did you dive into red zone at all? That would be my only hope. Would Connor be the red zone guy? You know, if Arizona offense is really clicking, that would be something that the might only
2: thing I've heard is Connor is supposed to be the red zone guy, but I don't know if anyone actually knows for sure on that. Because I mean Connor's a little bit bigger, right?
0: Yeah. If he could stay healthy and get the red zone work, that, that that's what makes him a little more attractive. Right. I question if he can stay healthy. Like, I mean, you guys know I like those like jacked up guys that are doing those workout videos, but but he's jacked up more like a bodybuilder than a like a a football player. Like, do you ever see his back? Like, it looks like Lou Ferrigno instead of like a tailback. You know, so I mean, Keith
2: Edmonds isn't really like the pillar of health either, right?
0: Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I could see this frustrating committee that, again, just Kyler sniping the touchdowns, you know, maybe the office. You know, you got Rondell Moore there now, too, who's going to be getting reverses and gadget plays. What do you got, JB? Time out here.
1: Pull, pulling up the red zone, just because, Dan, you brought it up. In 2020, Chase Edmonds had one inside the five-yard line attempt. James Conner, or sorry, Kenyon Drake, 21. Oh. So oh, I, th- <laughs> there is a fairly... Big difference there looking at inside the five, and then inside the 20, Kenyon Drake 56. Edmonds, I think it was 13. All right. I so take it back. Have... Hey, Connor should be
2: higher. Sorry.
1: So yeah you would I take think it all back. Now. It has to be a little bit closer. Don't even not even looking at efficiency and uh you know volume, just the inside the five volume alone could potentially lift up James Connor. But here's my thought. And I don't have many shares. I know Dan, you probably have a lot more shares of James Conner lingering on your. I your have bench. a lot. Just lot, a
0: couple, lot. man. I've I've I've, pil- I've gotten rid of them, JB.
1: Yeah, looking at at James Conner, he's missed twelve games over the last four years. And Chase Edmonds, what's he at? I
2: don't know. if He's actually missed games,
1: but I remember from my DFS days that like
2: oh. him at being on the injury report was a definite thing.
1: Like he would be dinged up. Hold on, I'm pulling this games. Up. He
0: wouldn't finish. I have I have DFS flashbacks
1: here. Right. He he missed three games in 2019. Nothing last year technically, but my thought would be this. Not that you know. I I know everybody has an issue with saying a player's injury prone, but I brought this up, and I would be very interested in a study. I'm sure it's out there. What the effects of the chemotherapy for james Conner. oh yeah that has to play a role it really I, you know, I would think so so what effect that has and is it likely that he could be dinged up and missed time in 2021 based on his history i would have to think that's one of the situations that you could say a player is injury prone so because of that if i have chase edmonds on my roster i'm not moving him today because I don't know that he's necessarily you know, being sought after by many in the fantasy community. But if James Conner were to go down and miss time, even if it's a game, that then presents an opportunity for me to move on from him. Dan, is there any position right now, where May 11th, that you're looking to go out and acquire James Conner or Chase Edmonds? And if so, what does that price point look like?
0: The answer is currently no, but it is a situation I'm still intrigued about and we will study more this offseason. And that'll lead like later on one of our questions is going to get to the offseason and how we handle it. I want to know more about that Arizona offense. How good is that offensive line? You know, if that offensive line improved, and again, I got gotta do a deeper dive there. We know this offense has potential. If Kyler Murray stays healthy and that line could keep him going and you got nuke and then they had you know, some offensive weapons added. Um you know, maybe Connor's a sneaky play. So, if for some reason i desperate for running back and that's just the opportunity that's lending itself to me, JB, uh, do I give us? I don't even know if I want to give a second round pick if we're looking at nah, future draft capital. And I don't think a third round pick really like, is that going to even get him? Like, I, th- I think he's like the guy you just hold. He's like a stigma. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, all right, I'm going to just roll the dice, see what happens. And I've got a couple shares of them. Again, not as many as I used to, but I got a couple shares and I'm, I'm not really having much luck moving them. So I'm going to hold them, see how the Arizona offense uh, kind of plays out.
1: Maybe it's a situation. I'm just going to throw a name out there because I know Dan likes him a little bit, at least maybe it's a situation like a third and Ramondre Stevenson or something. So, you know, it, it all depends on the the manager and how they view that player. Are they the same I, it, age though? Ramondale yeah, Stevenson's going on forty eight years old. I think. Right. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd
0: rather like a Sony that might get traded or a Damian Harris who people still might not be completely sold on yet that I like. And you know, there are definitely certain running backs I would go after Lombardi, Lenny. You know, someone that might be attainable and not too young.
1: You know, not not to get caught up in the names, just throwing an idea out there where it's not two picks. But I think it's going to be an interesting uh dynamic and one of the questions later kind of our summer preparation what we're doing here throughout the off season i'm gonna tie it back to this so i don't want to get there quite yet (laughs) this was a really good question and i don't know that there's gonna be too much in-depth analysis here but mitch what are your thoughts on the remaining free agent running backs or potential cut candidates that could play spoiler to the likes of miles gaskin and or mike davis all right so i
2: will say on the miles gaskin thing i think he's the starting running back I'm of the opinion Miami doesn't care about running backs. They're completely okay with Miles Gaskin, who is that seventh round running back they just Dukes. picked up. Yeah, dokes. I have him on a ton of leagues because I'm like, look, they're probably not going to bring anybody in. Atlanta, on the other hand, you just don't know. They picked up Mike Davis really early in free agency. And they got in some UDFAs as well. So maybe they could bring someone in. But thinking about Gurley, Bell, Duke, Adrian Peterson, like I can't think of anyone who's a free agent right now or even a trade candidate who's just going to go in there and be like, nope, I'm immediately better than Mike Davis. Like even as Sony
1: Michelle. I mean, I don't think Sony Michelle is really better than Mike Davis. If one of those players goes in and you're now worried about Mike Davis, you shouldn't have been on Mike Davis to begin with. Exactly. And that was my thing last year. Was it last year when McCoy went to the Buccaneers? Mm -hmm. And I was like, if he concerns you, if you're Ronald Jones manager, Keishon Vaughn, Leonard Fournette, and he concerns you, you probably shouldn't have been on that player in the first Mm -hmm. place. So I think that's a, a solid thought there. And then with Miami... I mean, they do have Savon Ahmed, mm-hmm. and I think they're they're okay with that one two punch. I really do believe that. So I think they're going to be safe. What does it look like beyond 2021? And I wanted to say this too with the Cardinals, both Connor and Edmonds. What does that backfield look like beyond 2021 when they're both free agents? So I, I think that Miami situation could be somewhat similar to the the Cardinals backfield just because there are question marks um even though the contract would does Gaskin have one more year after 2021 he might have one more anyway so yeah but he'll I'll, still
2: be a restricted free agent after that I think too because he was the later round draft pick if I am remembering right
1: yeah yeah I'd have to go back and look at that since I, I haven't looked at our tiers lately and I have all the contract information there so I got to go back and look Dan any concern with the Cinderella story of these potential fantasy producers coming to an end here
0: i'll just add a couple talking points i mean i I think the the answer to the question is there are no spoilers out there so like i'll start with that piece and i think you know mitch cover that you know there's you know todd Gurley. maybe if someone signed him he eats a couple red zone you know target carries something like that but i don't think there's any threat to either side especially the miami side that one to me is less intriguing because i do believe gaskin's the man i think he's got to stay healthy but i think miami believes hey we saw Ahmed last year run, and he looked pretty good. And then you bring in Malcolm Brown, was the guy I think we didn't mention oh, that I point. think he'll be in that mix. How and could I, think,
1: I forget about Malcolm Brown? All the
0: people that forget <laughs> Malcolm Brown. I was waiting for a JB, but I, I think that the three of them, I think they're definitely you know stable. You know, long term, do you have a running back long term in either of those ball clubs? That's where I'd be a little more concerned. Atlanta's a little more intriguing for me. I don't know how much I read into the running back coach comment that it's anybody's job or the it's open competition. I think that might be more of just like a, a team culture that's changing under a new coach and staff, but I am interested in Arthur Smith and what he does. One, we know how much he pounded Henry as the guy. And then when you look at that Atlanta depth chart, their backup running back that no one's really talking about is Cordell Patterson. Now he never really got going as a running back in the, with the bears, but the bears had O-line trouble last year. Like I, I don't think, I don't think he was that kind of back, um, but there's nobody behind Mike Davis other than Cordell and Quadre Olson. Um, you know, so they're is a team that might Brian be a little Hill more likely to bring someone in. What's that?
1: Isn't Brian Hill still there?
0: No, he just went to Tennessee.
2: Kitty, when does this happen? Is it like Quadre Olson still week there? Though?
0: He is. Oh, Quadre's there. He's like man, third on the current depth back. chart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Quadre, my my boy from Pitt. That's right. So, I mean, it, that that's a
0: pretty thin depth chart there. You know, you have a receiver kind of converted running back. and
2: mm-hmm. But
0: I'm thinking, hey, is, is Arthur Smith just – he's going to pound Davis like he did Henry and Patterson will kind of, you know, fill into some cool plays. I think Cordell Patterson is a deep bottom-of-the-ocean stash. I know I said I was getting away from those guys, but if you're going to have one, just until you see Atlanta do something else, I, I'd be curious how they're going to use him.
1: Yeah. How the heck did I – this is what happens whenever I disappear off of Twitter throughout the day. I think I was just so involved with my extravagant Mother's Day preparation this weekend. And it I, I use that term loosely. It wasn't too extravagant. It was a nice weekend. And I hope you gentlemen had a nice weekend with the...
0: Always take BIs care of well. the moms, JB. But JB, I was in like this auction draft and we were into like the very last like dollars <laughs> we had. So I was trying to find the best guy for like $1. And, you know, that's how I kind of discovered Brian Hill and... Cordell Patterson
1: and anyway. jeez, Goodness. All right. Um, so yeah, r- running back curveballs, how the, the landscape can look here. And then Ahmed, his contract is up after 2021. Miles Gaskin after 2022. And then he's an unrestricted free agent. Oh, okay. Um, so just looking that up and, and getting that information correct. I was very interested by this question. And again, this was a long one but I kind of drilled down just to get to the, the the meat here of the question. Mitch, what are we doing with our portfolio of teams to help navigate through the next 16 weeks? So before the regular season kicks off, mm-hmm. and there's a few layers of this question. What are we doing in different leagues where we rebuilders or contenders? And then how do you handle leagues where managers seemingly disappear Between the rookie draft and the NFL season. So attack that question however way you want to start. I'm sure we're going to get through all three uh, parts there.
2: Yeah. So, lastly, you just can't care. If people don't show up, you could only control your roster. And that's like a big point we have to remember. Like other trades that happen between other teams, there's nothing we can do about it. That's a trade on their side. Let it go, even though. You know, it might have been super one-sided and you would have added a little bit more. It doesn't matter because they end up trading without you there. Um, But I will say I'm the really weird guy who worries about my starting lineup in March. Like I just am. I'll look, I'll be like, crap, I don't have a quarterback. I need a quarterback. So after the draft, right now is a time to where I'm looking at my roster and I want to shore everything up. I want that starting 10 or 11 or 12 to look very good. And the reason why I'm doing that is... Once we hit training camp, once those pads come on, all of a sudden a dynasty team goes, a dynasty league goes from maybe eight contending teams. All of a sudden there's 11 contending teams. Now They're, people are like, oh no, I'm contending now because they have one guy who gets a little press clipping. They're like, no, I have one more running back than I thought that I did. And so knowing that people care a lot more about their teams during training camp and they get a little bit more excited for the season. I know it's a little bit harder to get deals in. Like if I want Mike Davis, I need to get Mike Davis right now or in June. There's no way I'm going to be able to trade for him in August. Because if someone has him on the team in August, they're already going to think they're competing. I mean, that's probably why they have Mike Davis in the first place. And so that's a big reason why I want my starting lineup set. So when these new blurbs start happening during training camp, then I'm just trying to raise my point total that I think I have in the starting lineup. I'm trying to upgrade specific spots instead of being like a week before the season starts. I'm like, nope, I have to give the farm for
1: Tannehill now because I don't have a second quarterback yet. There were a few things in there. Again, as as you say stuff, it kind of popped into my head. And just that last thing you said, when I'm in a league with somebody And especially me, because for the most part, I try to stay active, Um, especially if there are those minimum requirements that we talked about earlier. So I'm out there, and I have four quarterbacks, my roster, and I'm actively looking to move when looking to move when no, but everybody's good. Now, it's May JB, everybody's good. June comes along, we're still good. July, August, now we get to September. And Dan, this is the first time you looked at that roster. Since the rookie draft, and you're like, frick, I only have one quarterback because my other one was cam newton now he's benched already or or I had andy Dalton. he's gone he's done and you come to me and you say hey you know maybe we can work something out i I only have one quarter that price is going up i'm sorry
0: and And there 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 are those owners like they'll contact the three of us you know a month before the season starts or a few weeks like man i haven't looked at anything
1: and i I know stuff comes up so i listen this is fantasy football it is supposed to be fun people are not as active as we are and crazy about it as we are and i I can understand that but dynasty is a year-long commitment we always talk about that there is no off season so just like mitch i've been going through my rosters and i create my 73 team heat map right (laughs) and it took some time and I know there's tools out there that people use that help you navigate through your rosters and talk about your strengths and weaknesses potential trade candidates but I like to do that myself I I think it's fun I think it's interesting and I go through green yellow red for every position quarterback running back wide receiver tight end and draft picks and I do a kind of arbitrary scoring system and I lay it all out and then I kind of calibrate it if it's 16 teams 14 teams 12 teams Of course, things are going to be different, but I'm looking at my team strengths. And one thing I'm doing right now, and I'm sure you guys have noticed in the group chats, if I have a team with those four quarterbacks, and in my mind, three of them are top 12. (laughs) Dan, I I just want to make sure
0: that was accurate for our listeners. Yes, he did say he has 73 teams, ladies and gentlemen.
1: But anyway, so when I'm going through and I see I have those quarterbacks, I might try to leverage that. And one thing that I really do, I go, I I spend a lot of time doing this. Obviously I go through every team in that league and there might be three that I see as solid trade partners. Maybe there are six that need a quarterback, but I'm looking for running backs at this point. And three of those six have running backs that they could part with. If a team has two starting running backs, I'm not going to even waste my time there. You know, so I'm, I'm trying to work my way down. Who are the most likely trade partners? that's who I'm attacking first because it should be beneficial for both teams. And I always laugh to myself. Whenever I see a trade, we get tagged on Twitter who won this trade. You can't really say who won it. You know, which side do you prefer? Sure. But who won Mitch, a trade that we make could be great for you. could be great for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for when we make trades, but we don't do a lot of trades together anymore.
2: John, that stopped happening about a year ago. Like we we trade with Dan. me
1: and you, we just don't trade
2: anymore, man. Same it's thing, just, Mitch. Same thing. Yeah, it's rare. I, yeah.
1: For the most part, Dan or Mitch, you'll send me an offer. If I if I'm interested in the pieces, I shoot a counter, and then we never line up. So maybe maybe that's our goal this week. All three of us figure out a way to get a deal done with each other. But that's what I'm doing with my rosters here, and it is challenging. And I want to tie it into that last part where managers disappear because now you went from 11 potential trade partners to six because of the quarterback situation, to three because of how the running backs line up, now down to one or two because that other manager, I know he or she is not checking that that app until September. So it gets frustrating, it, it, but you got to keep working at it to leverage your team in whatever direction you're looking to go. And then another thing before I turn it over to Dan, Mitch and I differ on this a little bit, But when when it comes to veterans, unless it's a package deal that is going to put it over the top for the manager I'm trading with, I'm holding the veterans until the season, and then I look to shop. Mitch, you have players you are like, I'm riding them into the ground. I'm like a Julio Jones. That's been the player we've (laughs) talked about. No one's going to give me anything for Julio anyways, man. I might as well get those points. (laughs) I tried to get like two oh eight and two twelve during the rookie draft. One, nah, that's not going to And it was just a, <laughs> a, a quick no. Um, and then this is really the last thing before I turn it over to Dan to provide his thoughts here. I did have a manager, and again, this isn't a knock. It's just an observation. Certainly, something I wouldn't recommend personally. But they, I offered them a trade. The response was, "I want to see how this plays out to start the season." So we're not going to revisit that trade until at least September. That kind of stings me as a, a a dynasty manager that looks to be active year-round. Anyway, Dan, what are your thoughts on all the different parts of this question here?
0: This was a fun one, and that's why we're giving some in-depth uh, answers here. And when I put this together, you know, I guess the coach of me came out again. I tried to create a little bit of a list, but thinking like, you know what can we give to the listeners because they're not all like just sickos like the three of us that are like absolutely addicted to this but you know again like you said before JB whether you play a little a lot somewhere in between the key is having a strategy have fun with it take a get a couple takeaways here you know I, I learn from you guys all the time I see TJ in the chat there I've picked up some good things th- from TJ over the years. I mean we learn from each other, you know, and I don't think there's one perfect right way. I just think we we're active enough where you know we have success because we we are committed to this year round, but we've seen other owners. Hey, you just get your team to the playoffs. You could win that money. We, we, we've seen it all the time. So some of the things I just touched on quickly here, continue to explore trades is the obvious, you know, again, I I think there is an advantage in being active. You know, you're going to hit, hit on more trades than, than you lose on as long as you know, the market value for them. Um, Prep for the first waiver run, something you could be doing, especially if you're in safe, safe leagues, they're a little bit away, you know, so depending on what your league's rules are, it's good to get ahead of that monitor the free agent signings. There are some guys still that aren't on rosters yet that will impact depth charts. Like we touched on earlier, everyone should have rankings. Now you don't have to, you could obviously subscribe to something, pull rankings from somewhere else, but you know, you, you brought it up here again, JB, and it was in my notes and I loved on our last episode that you did share what your heat map looked like. So go back to our YouTube YouTube channel and, and check that out. And you just kind of see where every roster is on this Excel sheet and JB there, was far, there was
1: far, there was far too much red for my liking, Dan. I'm trying to, I'm trying I mean, to that's because that.
0: it's, that's because it's too long for the screen that you showed with the, with 73 teams. But the concept was beautiful, and um, you know, I have a similar Excel sheet that's you know looks like a rainbow with all different highlighted colors. So so you want to get organized where you can there, um, and then last, you know, I'll be working on O line. Like I, I, always like, okay, how do I get better this off season? And last year was the first year I started diving into O line. So We've been at this so long. We know where the rookies are ranked. We know where our our rankings are. For me, what I don't know as well is quarterback, running back, receiver is O-line. So I'll be diving into that. Come back to Dynasty Theory in future episodes. John, Mitch, and I are always trying to find some. John will have a different analytic. Mitch will have another deep thought. I'll have some O-line content. And we'll try to give our listeners some of those things that you know we're not talking about over the next 16 weeks that will help. And I, I guess I'm also going to be studying kickers for the Scott Fish Bowl. So You know, uh, Linda, if you're listening, yes, I will be studying kickers. But um, the, the only difference, John, is we talked about rebuilding versus contender. We didn't touch maybe as deep on that. Only difference is I would trade an elite running back, wide receiver, or maybe a quarterback on a rebuilding roster. Like that's where I would consider like what some of my rosters that aren't quite going the way I want them to I have a stutter to where I know I could rebuild them and turn it around with a smart trade on a contending team. There's no way I'm trading that elite talent. I'm just trying to find ways to make my roster better week, uh, week by week.
1: And that's something too. And I, before we move on, what are your thoughts, either one of you, Dan or Mitch? So I have a few rebuilds and man, they're rebuilds like they're blow it up, burn it to the ground, rebuild. And on teams like that, especially if it's an empire league and Mitch, you've seen this and you've heard me talk about it. I'm willing to kind of take more chances than that because heck the league could reset in a year or two. And then it's like, well, you know, now we redraft, we kick back off again because it's the empire league. I'm willing to take more chances and look for those home run type deals it could be a strikeout, but the level of I always say I'm um, I'm not willing to take on a lot of risk in certain situations. If I'm in a rebuild that's just phew, I gotta I gotta hit something, I might be a w- little more willing to take on the risk, and it has to be that that big boomer bust. TJ and I made a deal in which one was it? Was it Champions League? I don't even know that I acquired Deshaun Watson. My only share of Deshaun Watson. I moved him off like five minutes later. But it's one of those high-risk, potentially high-reward moves that in most situations I might not be willing to make, especially if I'm a contender. I play a little closer to the vest probably. But last thing for me, Mitch, you and I, when we were doing the monthly team breakdowns for folks, my big thing, and you're going to laugh, but if I have the opportunity to split up an asset... And I, I, that was my quote. I'm gonna, I'm looking to split up Josh Allen, you know, so I have a lot of offers still sitting in people's inboxes, including Josh Allen, or maybe a Christian McCaffrey. Those high profile players that I know still have that really high trade value within any market that I'm looking to split up and really pick up value and get multiple pieces whether it's to help me with depth or starting to engage and take part in a rebuild. So those are just a few different things that I'm doing here as this off season moves along and 49 minutes in, but Dan has pulled out his first red flag.
0: I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I was going to put it at the, during your statement, but you were very well thought, but Mitch, did John ask us a question was ready to turn it over to us, mm-hmm. answer his own question and then go to a next statement. That's my challenge. Yeah, I, just, yeah, I just wanted I was to still- call that out.
2: So last week I got in a little bit of a trouble in trouble because I wasn't listening very well, right? So I've been very cognizant this week of paying attention. I have no idea what the question was to be honest with you, and I was trying really hard to follow along there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't even know if they're really. It was. Dan said we didn't didn't really hit on the rebuild contender aspect. So I tried to get that in there a little bit more. (laughs) So Mitch, do you have any follow-ups on? No, but I actually think what you said
2: leads really well into the next question, because that's really for rebuild.
1: All right, so let's get into it. Now, this is not relevant for every league and you can see if you're watching live on YouTube, I really had to cram this in there to fit on the screen, but potential points. It's my favorite way of deciding rookie draft order for the following year, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it eliminates tanking because, well, there's strategic ways you can maneuver around that. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. But you can't just bench a player. Oh, I lost this week. I'm going to get the 101. It takes into account your optimal lineup. So potential points. But one question we got, it was uh, from the Discord, it was somebody entering a rebuild. What are our thoughts on getting points off of our rosters? versus the risk of missing this the spike in value and one trade that we did it was a 14 team league i acquired trey sermon with this person and i gave up a 2022 first i was joking hopefully i'm serious that it's going to be the 114 next year but do you miss on that spike from trey sermon that i think we might see hopefully that's why i made the trade or do you look to unload any potential points to get that first, improve your first for next year. What are your thoughts, Mitch?
2: All right. So potential points. They're amazing because it takes all the stress out of being a commissioner. Like you don't have to babysit lineups. And that's the worst part about being a commissioner is babysitting. So I love potential points. Um, Talking about sermon for the 22 first. I think if you are in a rebuild, there is zero reason to move youth off your roster. The whole point of rebuilding is to get youth on your roster. So if you're trading – so this example, you traded 22 first for Sermon. Sermon well, could very easily be the 1.13, the 1.14 in this year's draft. Let,
1: let, let me let me th- change the name. Cortland Sutton for a first. Again, a younger player, right. but still somebody that – probably has a better chance of accumulating points than maybe even a Trey sermon this year.
2: Yeah. See, I would still probably keep Sutton in that view. The guys who I'm trading are Goth, um, Derek Henry, Julio Beckham, Robert Woods, those types, the type to where most people, if you have six rebuilding teams, in the league, they probably don't want any of those guys. Right. And so then you have to trade those guys to the six competing teams. The problem is if you trade a Sermon, a Sutton, let's say Swift. Swift right now has a very high, you get a lot for it. But what are you getting? You're getting more guys you hurt, hope turn into Swift in a year. And so for me, when it comes to potential points, I'm moving the really old guys. I'm hiding as many young guys as I can on the taxi, on MFL. MFL, if you have guys on taxi, it does not count towards potential points. Sleeper is different. Sleeper actually does use those points towards your optimal lineup. So you have to be very careful about that. In that case, I don't necessarily understand what the point of the taxi is. There is absolutely zero point to a taxi. But, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: That's a good nugget there, though, Mitch.
2: Right, yeah. And so potential points isn't really hard to come by. Just trade your good quarterbacks. And you're more than likely will have a very horrible potential points. And that's going to make your team worse anyways. And you're probably going to use that upper draft pick for a quarterback anyways. And so if you just move your quarterbacks, your team's going to pick
1: very early in the draft. That's the easiest way to go about it. See really quick though. I think there's one element that might be getting, you know, we're glancing by here. So in that situation, so I have my 2022 first, and I have a Swift or whoever, and I move him to get the future draft capital and whatever. Yes, but then the ass, the, the side of it that we're missing is that I'm improving my own 2022 first, right? So that there's an added sure, benefit. Sure, but you're to- also losing very good
2: value off that first. So you might be turning your first instead of the 105 if you have Swift. You might be turning it into the 103 or the 102 but okay. you're also not going to have Swift. But you're, but you're getting the return from the trade itself. Yeah, but you're also making the other team better by giving them Swift. So you're making that first that you're getting worse, in theory, because you're helping that team become better. Yep. So it works both ways. Like your team could be a little bit worse, but the team you're giving that good player to should, you know, barring injury and all that other nonsense, should
1: be better. And so you're just kind of moving the draft picks in a different direction. But I think going from the maybe the 105 to the 103 is a bigger gap than the 110 to the 112. Sure. But then you're not going to have Swift.
2: <laughs> and I think that's that's Don't,
1: a, don't listen to you, Andre. You're, you're <laughs> staying up on my jersey wall. Don't worry.
0: Maybe this is the difference between a little bit of the analytics and the, and the film and belief in a guy. Like I, Mitch, I think your answer hit it out of the park there. And, and I don't have much to add. But I see the value strategy. But if I believe in Trey Sermon, going with our original example, mm-hmm. and got no, him out get, of that. Don't
1: get too caught up on the name, but.
0: but, but I, no, I want to. I want to go down How that many road times do now. I say
1: that in episode? Don't get caught up on the name.
0: For, for this example, I want to stay there. If you get Sermon at a value, which was the case for me, you know, I, I didn't reach for him in any first rounds. He normally either slid to me, or I might have traded into draft because he was middle of the second. I was like, I could use a running back. All right. So I liked where I got him. So if I got him at a value and I believe in the guy, I don't want to move him unless someone's going to overpay for him. Same thing with moving Swift. Like if I know Swift is the guy and I believe in him and I'm trying to rebuild, I got a young building block there. So if I could get a first next year, that's fine. But I need more than that for you to take Swift off my roster right now. Because for me to really rebuild, I need more than one guy. So give me a first next year plus something, then we'll talk. Otherwise, I'm keeping Sermon, I'm keeping Swift, because I believe in these guys. And and that's part of my strategy, where I'm investing in guys I believe in. That's why I was targeting Trey Sermon middle of the second, Kadarius Toney mid-late second. Like, I really like these guys, and I like where I'm getting them.
1: Mitch, fair foul here, let me ask you. There was an orphan. I, I, I took it over for one season, um, kind of stepped in for the commissioner, and then relinquished it. But there – I did a fairly good job of getting the the draft capital for the next manager, but Again, so well a... that you didn't want to be the manager. Still, it, it was like a twenty dollar mm. league. Can I say that? Can I... Right, you're good. You're good. Can I, yeah. Can I be honest? Understandable. Anyway, so, well, I just came across like such a. Hmm. All right. You have personal preferences, though. You you
0: <laughs> when you have seventy three leagues, you have talked to being more selective about the leagues you choose.
1: Anyway, so that's not the point here. So the point is. Let me ask Mitch, because he is the commissioner out of the three of us. It was, it was in rough shape when I took it over, like really rough. And there were times when my bench looked like an ER room because I just had players on IR. Like my IR IR was maxed out. There may have been some empty bench spots on that team. And it was also a potential points league. So going that route in throwing that strategy in there, like I don't want a Danny Amendola on my bench who could put up 10 to 12 points in a game. I, I don't want those points. So as commissioner, that's completely fair. As long
2: as you have 10 starters that are in the flex spots and quarterback spots are supposed to be, and you don't have a blank there. I don't care who you're starting, especially because, and all of my leagues, I make people pay a year ahead. So right. if someone's going to orphan, I'm like, fine. The new owner gets a free year. And okay. so they could do whatever they want with that roster and not have to pay till the next year.
1: Okay. Or if it explicitly states you need to have your bench full or yes. you know, what, what are yeah, the cases? none of my leagues have that. It's like you
2: have your 10 starters, you put your best 10 starters in there. Then after that, I don't care.
1: Okay. Okay. And nobody, nobody, you know, caused a fuss nobody said a word throughout the whole season but it was something that kind of happened by accident at first but then i just kind of stuck with it um while also acquiring future draft capital so i'm glad that we we worked that out so something that you could potentially do if you have potential points again you don't want like it's not helping you to, i'm trying to think of just really old pl- danny Amendola was the first one that popped in my head um you know so no, G Harris. <laughs> Funny joke. Huh? All right, Dan. Any Anything else on any of that before we wrap it up tonight? Mitch hit it out of the park, man. I mean, I was. Here I appreciate I, that. I guess I kept it in the park, but whatever.
2: <laughs> Final thoughts.
1: Dan, after our 116th episode, really diving into more of the off-season theory, and I'm sure it's going to continue throughout this off-season. We're hitting that, that lull here soon. Yep. In uh, I had a tweet. I said with a lot of the rookie drafts winding down or be wrapping up already, and people jumped in. Hey, I still have a lot of rookie drafts. And I was like, well, I guess just because of the safe leagues we kicked off all of those on Monday, so a lot of people still rookie talk and and rankings and things like that. So we'll still be going through that this offseason. But anyway, Dan, final thoughts for our listeners.
0: Episode one sixteen. You know, piggybacking off of uh, what do we do in the next sixteen weeks? NFL's year round. It's becoming more and more year round, and, and we will definitely keep our listeners occupied for the next sixteen weeks until it's a uh, go time. Uh, but NFL schedule released tomorrow. So, you know, again, you asked, what are we doing for the next 16 weeks? Tomorrow's just another rung in the in the game plan here. Uh, you know, I'll be looking for quarterback bye weeks. That that'll be a quick dynasty one, you know, as we've kind of revamped and been trading the last so many weeks and have rookies. Might have a couple of rosters that the bye weeks aren't too pretty. So that could impact some moves, you know, as far as what's next. And then I'll start my DFS plan in there, you know, looking at Thursday night home games and uh team bye weeks after uh it, You know, after a team was on the road and all that long road trips, fantasy postseason schedule. I'll be kind of thinking ahead to the postseason. So all these little pieces will kind of play in uh, to the next sixteen weeks, including the Cowboys Super Bowl record projection that I'll uh, I'll have for everybody soon.
1: Man, we're getting into the part of the year where we start to hear those treacherous three letters Uh, I Can't wait! It's gonna be beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, Mitch, final thoughts for our listeners. Okay, final thoughts.
2: Tim Tebow. He's an inspirational dude. Like, him as a person is an amazing guy. And honestly, I think if you don't like Tim Tebow, it says something more about you than it does about anybody else. But I know he's a tight end on the Jaguars now. But as rookie drafts finish, waivers start. Please do not spend a lot of fab on Tim Tebow. The odds of him making the team are extremely low. More than likely, they'll keep him on as the practice squad because he is like one of the best practice squad guys you could have. But as far as him being fantasy relevant, it's just not going to happen. I mean, the guy's never played tight end before. And all of a sudden, we're going to be... We hate tight ends in the first place, right? All tight ends suck. But Tim Tebow is going to come in and like, you know what? We're going to spend all of our fab on Tim Tebow. It's just please don't do it. If I could just say one thing, that that would be it. Just spend, if you want him, spend 10% of your fab. Don't spend over 50. I've seen it happen already. I know it's going to happen in more leagues, but just please don't do it. I, I will just add to that. I love that you brought this
0: up. 100% agree, don't spend a lot of fab. Thousand million percent. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't spend anything more than 10 bucks if I was a Super Tebow fan. But if you could get him on the cheap and bottom of the ocean players, I will not mind having him on my roster with some Taysom Hill type production. I would not be shocked. The guy is in phenomenal dude shape.
1: Hasn't, he hasn't played football in eight years. The,
0: this is where the coach of me comes in. Nobody knows him better than Urban Meyer. And if long as he's in tip top shape, which he is, he's in his prime at age 30. Did you see their their tight end depth chart? We've got Chris Manhurts, James O'Shaughnessy, Luke Farrell. He's already like tight end two or three. <laughs> like from and from a fantasy offensive perspective, like he's not gonna be blocking anybody. Like he's not gonna be blocking anybody. He's not gonna be helping, you know, James Robinson or uh you know, the, the newest rookie there.
1: But ETN, did that slip your mind? ETN,
0: yeah, it did. <laughs> I'm in a a little uh, tizzy here, but red zone gadget plays. I could see him getting into that urban Meyer game plan. He trusts them.
1: All right. So what I heard there is still not fantasy relevant, pretty much the great (laughs) great locker room guy for your fantasy team. If you're rostering 70 players and you can throw them on your bench. I have a final thought tonight and it comes up. It came up on a tweet. Somebody reached out uh, somebody that listens to the show. Every week, we're in a league with him. And he said that a conversation we had last week, he didn't say, hey, what you guys talked about changed my mind. He said, what you guys talked about made me go revisit this to see if I was off and maybe reevaluate. And that's exactly, at least from my perspective of why we're here, my goal isn't to change somebody's mind. I have people DM me, JB, sell me on this player. That's not why we're here. My, my goal ideally is to present an idea to make somebody think about that. And if you revisit it yourself and you find that you agree with it, great. If you don't, at least it gets you to think about that. So Mitch, this is the thing that I said. I had a little monologue at the beginning of the episode I wanted to do. I figured I'll save it for my final thought, but th- that's what this is all about. And that's why I love the conversations with you guys and in our discord and Twitter lead chats. We're not always going to agree. Certainly. I think people in the three of us don't always agree, but it makes you think about it. And and that's the point of it, just to see the other perspective. So hopefully real
2: quick, I completely agree with that. And I'm actually someone who found, I don't like helping people draft their whole team. I'm more than happy to help with a round or two, but when it's pick after pick, after pick, after pick, like that would turn into my team. And I know I'm not always right. I'm as good as I can be, but you know, half the players I like are probably going to be out of the NFL next year, like Damien Williams. So just,
1: you know, hey, it's good to Chicago, have some ownership right? in, in your Chicago. selection too, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something too. Just like you said, we want to be able to steer you possibly and, and assist you and avoid those landmines at all costs. But ultimately it comes down to every single fantasy football manager making their own decision but of course we always appreciate people tuning in so man that was a long final thought for me usually i just go through it but after 116 episodes it was time for me to bring one to the table here we want to thank everybody for tuning in follow the show on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff stay safe be kind to each other and have a fantastic night